Praise the Lord. Father God, we thank you. Thank you for the wonderful time we have together with you each week, Lord, as a collective group. And Father, we just thank you and praise you for the opportunity to worship you and to speak your word that you give to the church. And Father, we're very careful to give you the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Last week, I preached to you on the subject of stormy seas and high winds. And uh, it was from the book of Acts, chapter 27. And uh, when I left you last week, it was part one. This is part two uh, of that sermon. And uh, when I left you last week, um, the uh, boat had arrived in a place called Crete. And they uh, believed that they attained their purpose because they came through a tempestuous storm and they survived. But... uh, I wanted to uh, bring the sequel that the Lord gave to me. Don't worry, things won't stay quiet for long. In the book of Acts chapter 27, verse 14, but not long after there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurycliden. Now what was Eurycliden? It was a dashing and surging wave that came against the boat. It was violent agitation of the sea. It was actually a typhoon or hurricane with violent winds raising the waves and causing the lives in that boat to be shook up. This was going to be a great test, praise the Lord, and battle against the elements. The enemy takes every opportunity to lull people to sleep and then brings against them the Eurycliden, brings against them the storm of life. The Bible says this, Don't be anxious when the waters of life rise up. It says in Psalm 29 and 10, one of my favorite verses, the Lord sitteth upon the flood, yea, the Lord is sitteth king forever. The apostle Paul, Peter, warned us in 1 Peter 4, 12, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Many people are walking around in America today wondering the strange things that's happening in our country. Think it not strange. We're fighting against the elements. We're fighting against demonic forces. We're fighting against powers, principalities, rulers, and spiritual wickedness in high places. They don't go away easily. You must fight. You must stay in the fight. And you can't control a flood. Sometimes when a flood comes, praise God, you got to get in the spiritual raft and ride the flood with God because he's king of the flood. You cannot control a flood. It says in Acts 27, 15, and when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. No control, no control and out of control was that boat. Some trials are just a terrible flood. No matter what you do, no matter what you say, no matter what you pray, doesn't matter. Listen to what God is saying. You are going to experience it because that's the way the Lord wants it. You can't control it. Praise the Lord. You have to write it out and you must lean upon and trust in the Lord for the result. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Lean not to thine own understanding in all thy ways. Acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Psalm 16 and 8 says this. I have set the Lord always praise God before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Look at your right hand. He's there. 
He's at our right hand. The Bible says in Exodus 15 and 6, Thy right hand, O Lord, thy right hand, O Lord, is become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. This is the God that we serve. Don't forget the God that we serve. Hallelujah. Don't allow carnality to rule your spirit during a storm, during a flood. Acts 27, 16 and 17 says this. And running under a certain island, which is called Clauda, we had much work to come by the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps, undergirding the ship, and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksands, strake sail, and so were driven. What does the word Clauda mean? The, God's words in the Bible mean something. Every word means something. And the word Clauda in the Greek means It means lame, which means the inability to walk. That's what it means. The enemy of your soul wants to cripple your destiny and your walk with God. The Bible said we had much work to come by the boat meant that they were getting the lifeboat ready to go ashore and leave the main boat. They were going to jump ship. And you're going to see a lot of people in the last day going to jump ship. They're not going to hold on to their faith. They're going to get so scared and so fearful, they're going to fold their tents, they're going to go home, they're going to leave their churches, leave their pastors, leave their brothers and sisters in the Lord, and go home and say, I can't take it anymore. Listen to what God is trying to say to us. This did not work, because what does the Bible say? Because they were now afraid of running aground. Listen to what the word says. Which when they had taken up, represented human wisdom. That's the problem with people. And the carnal way out of problems. Oh, I'll fix it. Ten ways on how to get out of this situation. Ten ways on how to fix this and how to fix that. It doesn't work. We must depend on God. And as we proceed into the end times, our dependence upon God is going to become greater and greater in the Lord. Because it's going to be Him that brings us the comfort. The Bible says if if problems are going to be solved, they must be solved in the spiritual level. Listen to what Romans 8, 6 says. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they which are in the flesh cannot please God. We need a revival of the word of God in the life of Christians. So few Christians read the Bible. So few Christians study the word of God. (laughs) We eat every day and we're supposed to. We eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner and so on unless we're fasting. And the food that we eat nourishes our body. But there's an inner man. This is just a box. This box goes in the ground. This is just a box. It's the inner spirit that needs food. It's the inner spirit that needs the drink from God's word. And people are denying themselves and they're becoming anorexic and bulimic and they're becoming malnourished spiritually because they're not taking the word of God into their spirit and into their soul. God will speak to you in a storm to rid yourself of excess baggage. Acts 27, 18 says this, And we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, This is a bad storm. The next day they lightened the ship. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. Many of us don't know that we're loaded down. Listen, it's the new year and people make a lot of resolutions. (laughs) We don't know sometimes that we're loaded down with pride sometimes. 
temper, selfishness, egotism, unholy attitudes, rebellion and stubbornness are some of the things that the Lord will deal with us about in 2021 to get rid of. We must get rid of the excess baggage. We cannot carry that around. These issues and others must be dealt with if we're going to enter more fully into God's service. <coughs> Excuse me. What's God saying? When we go through a storm, we should seriously examine what we have and what we don't have in Christ. We need a holy revival to cleanse us from all that is filthy. A holy revival that will call sin what it is. A holy revival that will call people away from filth, lust, and ungodliness. Preachers don't want to preach that anymore because they don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to start World War III in their churches. But if we're going to serve a holy God, he's coming back for a holy priesthood and a holy people. And we must preach that. We must preach that. Praise the Lord. When you're in a storm, praise God, everything will be shaken. Everything will seem like it's disintegrating, just like it is in America right now. God will force you to the place where you must fast and pray. He will force you to lighten your ship, and he'll remind you of Hebrews 12.1. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy hmm, that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. We must live as though Jesus was coming back this very moment. We must live like Jesus is coming back in the next 30 seconds. Lighten your ship and proceed to the island, praise God, of need that God has earmarked for you. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says this, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Where are the men and women of God who will see the needs of others? Where are the women of, men and women of God who will climb the mountain of God? Where are those who, when the storms come and the winds blow, will hold on to God? Where are those who will lighten their ship so they can be sent to the island of needs of other people? Always remember, God is in the business of hope. Acts 27, 20. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. And people are dealing with that right now. People are losing hope. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. Paul's prophesying. Paul heard from God. Paul heard from the Lord. And the Lord was speaking to him. And the Lord already showed him the future. The Lord was already giving him a clue and pieces to the puzzle. Paul was saying this. I told you so. We should have stayed in Crete. I told you. But you didn't listen to the man of God. And a lot of people will not listen to a man of God. They'll just go their own way and say, I got this. I'm going to do this on my own. But the Bible says there's safety in a multitude of counsels. Seek out counsel. It's not going to hurt you. Praise the Lord. What was God saying? He said, Paul said, I told you. He said, you should have listened and not left the fair havens where everything was calm. But you wouldn't listen. You could have avoided all this loss and injury. 
Sometimes we don't listen to God and we don't listen to others that God sends to us. We refuse help and love. We refuse compassion and concern from others. We become headstrong and stubborn. And as a result, troubles and difficulties manifest from our own disobedience and behavior unbecoming to God. And then when people turn around and say, how did I get in this mess? Simply because we didn't listen to the word of God and to those that God sent to us to minister to our soul and to our spirit. We must own up to our own part and be responsible and accountable for our actions. We must examine ourselves for pride and ask, why do I resist the assistance of others? Some people you can't help. Oh, I got this. What do you have? Look at your life. It's a shambles. There's nobody home. The light went off. The bulb is out. It's empty. The vessel is empty. What are you doing? And people look at you and say, well, what's the matter? It's not what's the matter. It's like, what are we going to do to fix the matter? Responsibility, accountability. Paul was going to provide hope. And that's what we need right now. We need hope, praise God. And hope comes in Christ. Hallelujah. Acts 27, 22 says this. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. Mm. How many of us fall down there? I do. Many times. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. Paul's prophesying. He said the ship is going to get busted up. But no one's going to die if you listen to the man of God. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Howbeit, we must be cast upon a certain island. God was giving him the future. God was prophesying. It says, listen to the man of God. Would you just listen? It's going to be okay. The boat is going to be history. But no one is going to die in the boat. It's kind of like Jesus said in John 17. He said, Father, you gave me these. And these are in the palm of my hand. And I will keep them. And we have to be reminded of that, my friend. That we are in the palm of God's hand. And God will keep us. He's that kind of a God. He will keep us from falling. He'll keep us from going back to the world because we lose hope, but we're not going to lose hope. The man of God through Christ was giving hope to all those that were aboard. He said to be of good cheer means to take courage, be daring, be bold, be brave, be resolute, be determined, be steadfast, be tenacious, persevering and purposeful. People have lost perseverance. It's a gift that God wants to give the church to press in through the wind, through the rain, through the storms. We must persevere. We must not give up. Listen, every one of you in this building this morning has come through tempestuous storms. You're a Clydens. Some of you have been knocked to the ground and left for dead. But look where you are this morning. You're sitting in the house of God praising the Lord. You're still standing. You're still with God. We can be knocked down, bowled over, whatever. We can be called names and praise God, persecuted, whatever. But praise God, we'll get right back up because we love God in our hearts and God loves us and God will cause us to stand in the last day. 
Don't give up your hope this morning. If you hear nothing from this preacher this morning, don't give up your hope in God. Hallelujah. Hope is in Christ. Hope is from Christ. And God gave us hope when he saved us and found us, praise God, and brought us out of the miry clay in the name of Jesus. Hmm. God is saying no matter what your trouble, I'll speak hope to your situation. God will get you to the destination he has desired for your life. Listen, Paul had to go to Rome. And there was going to be nothing, no hell or high waters, no storms that was going to prevent God from fulfilling divine providence and destiny in the life of Paul the Apostle. And you are no different than Paul the Apostle. You have a divine providence and a divine destiny attached to your life. And that divine providence and divine destiny wants to be fulfilled by God, by His Holy Spirit. And if God has to drag us there, listen, He'll drag us there. If God has to pull us by a rope, listen, that's how much He loves us. He's married to us. He's married to us. He's married to the church. He's married. He died for the church. And if he has to pull us with a rope and hook us up to the back of a truck and pull us, praise God, to where we have to go, we'll get where we're supposed to go in the name of Jesus Christ if we are least bit willing to go where God wants us to go. You know I'm a great person, fan of divine providence and destiny. You know, you've heard me preach through the years about it. I just love when God places you at the right time, at the right place with the right person, and God just lines it all up, and then you look at it and say, God, how come I didn't think of that situation and that solution? Because you're not God. You've got the peanut brain like I do, but he's got the infinite brain, praise God, because he's God, and he knows how to do it. And this looks bad right now. This, this, this boat, this looks bad. And the man of God is saying, listen, Captain, you're going to lose your boat. But you're not going to lose your life. <laughs> What's God saying here? God was saying, we're going to persevere. He says in Psalms, he says, 3815, For in thee, O Lord, do I hope, thou wilt hear, O Lord, my God. Psalm 39, 7 says, And now, Lord, what wait I for? It's a question. My hope is in thee. Psalm 42, 11. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within? Why are you depressed? Why, why are you losing it? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. David woke up one day and he was discouraged. He lost it. And he's talking to himself. He says, wait, wait a minute. Why, why am I disquieted within? I'm, I'm with God. And he's with me. And we can't forget that. But here's an important point to note. Drop an anchor at the appropriate time. Listen to what the word says. Acts 27, 27. But when the 14th night was come, as we were driven up and down in Adria. Man, this, this boat was in a tempestuous storm. About midnight, the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country. And sounded and found it 20 fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they sounded again and found it 15 fathoms. Then fearing lest we should have fallen upon the rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. He's saying, what are we going to do? Here's what God was saying. As God sends a storm to position us in his kingdom, listen to what I'm saying in the Lord. 
as God sends a storm to position us in his kingdom. This is what this is about. This is about God's kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's about God's kingdom. God will position your boat. And sometimes you'll wonder why the boat is changing direction. And you'll sit down perplexed and you'll ask yourself, I don't understand the mind of God. I don't understand what God is doing. Don't try to lean to your own understanding, but drop a few anchors. And what are those anchors? The anchor of faith. Faith moves mountains. The anchor of prayer. The anchor of praise. He comes on the wings of praise. The anchor of patience. A lot of people are going to lose their patience in the last day and impulsively they're going to make dumb decisions. They're going to make impulsive decisions. The anchor of trust. The anchor of fellowship with brothers and sisters in the Lord. And the anchor of the word of God. We have some anchors that we can praise God, hold on to and say, God, I'll never sink. I'll never be let off the path that my boat has taken. Stay in the boat. This is one of the most important parts of what God is trying to say. Let me read a few verses to you. Acts 27 and 30. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, they were going to jump ship. When they had let down the boat into the sea under color as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. I'm going to stop there for a moment. You got to stay in the ark. You got to stay in the boat. And there's going to be a lot of people who call themselves Christians that are going to jump ship. And they're going to give up and they're going to try to bring you down with their negativity. They're going to try to bring you down with their despair and their discouragement and their talk. Don't listen. Close the door. Because God is a God of promise. He's a God of promise. And his promises are yay and yay and nay and nay. God's promises will come through for us. Look at what it says in verse 32. Paul's warning them. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. They listened to the man of God. They were going to get in the, in the boat to flee. Some of them. Paul said, don't do that. Don't do that. It's a wrong move. You didn't hear what I told you just a few minutes ago. The angel of the Lord spoke to me. Stay in the boat. You'll be saved. You'll be safe. We'll get to the island. But listen to what the man of God has to say. The Bible says the soldiers cut off the rope from the boat. And, and Paul said, and when the day was coming, Paul besought them to take meat, saying, this is the 14th day that you have tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. Wherefore, I pray you to take some meat, for this is your health. This is for your health, for there shall not a hair fall from the head of any of you. Listen to the hope. Listen to the hope that God's given him. He's telling them, you're not going to lose a hair on your head. Praise the Lord. Verse 35. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread. Oh, this is so beautiful. And gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. He took bread and broke it. In remembrance. He's remembering now. The death, the resurrection of Christ. Amen. That's your hope, my friend. 
When you break that bread, hallelujah. When we fellowship, when we come together and we break bread together, hallelujah. It's remembering the death and resurrection of Christ. And that's our hope. Listen, if all we have is hope in this world, we're men most miserable. But there's a hope beyond the grave. There's a hope beyond this world. And that hope is Christ. He took the bread and began to eat. And they were, then were they all of good cheer. And they also took some meat. And we were in all the ship, 203 score and 16 souls. That's a lot of people. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and cast out the wheat into the sea. And when it was day, they knew not the land, but they discovered a certain creek with a shore into which they were minded, if it were possible to thrust in the ship. And when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves unto the sea and loosed the rudder bands and hoisted up the mainsail to the wind and made toward shore and falling into a place where two seas met. They ran the ship aground and the forepart stuck fast and remained unmovable. But the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves and the soldiers counsel was to kill the prisoners lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, listen, willing to save Paul, He knows he's a man of God. He's watched him on that boat. Paul did not panic. Paul did not give up hope. Paul did not despair. And he knew that the words that he would speak in Christ, hearing from the angel of God, would give hope to these men. Paul, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that the ship which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to the land. Listen, this is the part of the sermon I really want you to understand. And the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship, and so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. Listen. We're in a boat. And a Euroclidon has hit America. hit us. There's no doubt. You have to be foolish not to understand that a tempestuous storm that's out of control has hit our country and hit our boat. The boat was broken to pieces. But what about the people? Some got out by swimming. The rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. But here's the good news. Whatever way God designed for these men to get to the shore, by swimming, on boards, or on broken pieces of the ship, they got to the shore. They got to land. I don't know if God's going to call you to swim, quote unquote, hold on to a board (laughs) or a broken piece of a ship. But somehow, God is going to use vehicles in our life, hallelujah, to bring us to the place of destiny and providence for each and every one of us. And he's going to bring the same to America, I believe. He's going to bring us to destiny and providence that we must experience and we must have in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You understand what God's saying here? So many jump ship and don't wait out the trial and the storm. (laughs) 
They become impulsive in their thinking and end up tangled in a web of chaos and confusion. Matthew 14, 22 says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into his ship and to go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Jesus is always there for us in prayer. The Bible says in Hebrews 7.25, Wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make it intercession for them. Can you imagine that we have intercessory prayer here, but God is in intercession for us in heaven. Hallelujah. In heaven and in earth. And when we praise God, make contact with God in prayer, we are holding the hand of God and we are joining in intercession with Him. And God can move mountains when we join in prayer and intercession with the Lord God, the King of the universe. He's the King of the boat. He's the King of the flood. What happened here? Here's the thing to remember. Always remember... That Jesus is always walking toward the boat that you are presently in. You say, Pastor, you just don't know the boat that I'm in. I want you to think of the boats in the past that you were in. That you thought this was the end, the knockout punch. I'll never recover. I'll never get up. This is it. You recovered. You stayed in the boat. Because God walked towards your boat and he brought you forth. The disciples cried at one time in the Bible and said, Master, don't you care about us that we could drown? Jesus said, have faith in God. Be cheerful, man. Get up. Praise the Lord. Don't you see me walking toward the boat? Don't, don't you see I care for you? Don't you see how much I love you? And we lose sight of that. That we are the beloved of God. That we are the apple of his eye. Think about that for a moment. He's always walking towards your boat. In Matthew 14, 24. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea. This is in Matthew 4, 20, 14. It says, and tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. This is with the disciples. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Some people say, when the trial's over and the storm ceases, I can't believe how this all happened. And how God calmed the storm. We need to believe it. And if there ever was a time that we need to believe in God right now, it's now in our country. And there's millions of people across the world that are praying for freedom and liberty in America. Because as America goes, so goes the world. That's a fact. This is the last place of freedom. This is the last place of liberty. There's no place to flee. Don't worry about a passport. Where are you going to go? What country are you going to? Canada? They're dark. Where are you going to go? England? That's dark. Where are we going to flee to? People run, I got to go get a passport. Where? Where are you flying to? This is the great land of freedom and liberty. The great land of freedom and liberty. And when we lose this, God forbid, 
there'll be no place to go to. But I'm still believing God. As millions of people across this land are believing God for victory. For victory because we know truth. And even though they call us names, even though they deride us and derail us and say we're crazy conservative people that love our family and love God and want to carry our guns in our home to defend ourselves. Hey, listen, praise God. Even Jesus told the disciples to take a sword with them. Read it in the word of God, my friend. Even Jesus said, take a sword when especially you're on the Jericho Road because it was the road of robbers. Read it in your Bible. I didn't write it. Say, oh, preacher, you shouldn't preach that. No, why not? It's in the Word. I didn't write the Word of God. Don't you remember the story of the Good Samaritan? What are we going to do? Call a social worker and negotiate when someone's breaking into our home? Excuse me, I need to call a social worker. Idiots. That's what the communists call people, useful idiots. That's what they call them. Oh, can we negotiate? There is no negotiation when someone wants to take your life. There is none. And people say, well, we should be peaceful. Oh, really? So just let them take your wallet. Let them take your home. Let them take your car. Let them take your money. Let them take your finances. Let them take your job. And just sit there, peaceful, as they roll you over. Come on, my friends. Let's be realistic. We're living in a real world. And the real world is coming at us. And sometimes we have to make decisions that are ugly. But those decisions will be made, if necessary, in the future. Praise the Lord. Let me say this to you. Can I have a few more moments? Don't ever think the storm is over. Acts 28.1 And when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness. In other words, they were very kind. For they kindled a fire and received every one because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks, he's the man of God, but no job is too big or too small for a Christian. Some people say, well, I I don't want to do that because that's beneath me. If you're not willing to pick up some sticks, my friend, then let it be beneath you. The Bible says this, and when Paul gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat. And fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom, though he had escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. And what did Paul do? And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Whoa, what's going on here? How could this be? Your eyeballs are supposed to pop out because of the venomous poison. Paul 
shook it off. And you know, sometimes we just got to shake off the venom. We got to shake off the demonic forces. We got to shake off those that don't want to bring hope. We got to shake off, shake off those that have no faith and say, hey, listen, go in a corner until you recover. Then you can come back. But until then, stay over there in the name of Jesus. Don't infect me. You know, we're so worried about the virus. We're so worried about a contagious virus. But how about contagious negativity? How about people that want to rain on your parade when you're going down the street having a good time? Nothing's ever good for them. It's too cold in the winter. It's too rainy in the spring. It's too hot in the summer. And fall comes, everything's dying. What's there to live for? Man, are you really going to like heaven? Are you really going to enjoy it? Please don't live next door to me. Find a different mansion. Don't live on my road, please. Always complaining. Nothing's ever right. What happened here? The Lord destined Paul to arrive on the island of Melita where there was a great need for the true God. Previously, the hands of Paul were used for healing, deliverance, and blessing. Now he's picking up sticks to build a fire. Some would not do such menial tasks thinking they are too important for such service. If you can't do the small tasks for the Lord, you won't be given the opportunity to do the large tasks. You can't be used of God unless you practice self-abasement and humility. We ought to count it. A joy to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. We ought to count it a joy to help others in need. Let me come to a close. The hands of Paul that were going to be used to perform miracles now were put in a woodpile to gather sticks for the fire. And as he put his hand into the woodpile, a scorpion took hold of him. You can count on it! Exclamation point. Just before you really begin to see great things God is going to do through you, the enemy will try to kill you. What did Paul do? He shook off the scorpion and put it behind him. We must shake off yesterday and live in the present and look to the future. You shake it off. Too many people want the preacher to lay hands on them and pray away all their scorpions. Listen, I've held many revivals in my lifetime with my wife under the tent, in churches, in the grass. And we had healing lines. And yes, we did. But there were some people that came through the healing line and said, Brother Colombo, please pray for me that I never have another trial or tribulation again in my life. I said, man, you're joking, right? You got to be joking, right? Are you from a different planet? Did you not read the word of God thinking not strange concerning the fiery trial that's going to try you? I can't pray that. I can pray God give me the grace to get through the trial. But come on, man, you're asking me to pray against the word of God. Are you a comedian? Or you're just dumb. And you can't fix stupid. Come on, listen. Let me close here. What's God saying? Listen carefully. Time is short. Too many have promised God what they're going to do. We must do now. We must lighten our ship, throw out our anchors, give our burdens to the Lord, shake off the enemy, endure hardness as good soldiers of Jesus Christ, 
and reach your island of need to help others find Christ. God is interested in the final product. Let me read some verses. I'm going to just address this. Sometimes when we have secular jobs as Christians, we wonder what we're doing in that job and if we're doing any good. Listen closely. Don't wonder about that. Because if God sent you into a den of lions and a den of darkness, even without you preaching or carrying a Bible down the corridors of where you work, your light will shine. And people will recognize something about you. I know this has happened to some of you. You're in the grocery store getting a gallon of milk for your wife and a loaf of bread. And you're waiting online. You know, in those days when you could actually be near a person. <laughs> and the person turned around to you and said, you're a Christian, aren't you? How'd you know that? How did they know that? Because we're different. We have a different demeanor. It doesn't mean we're perfect. We have a different demeanor. There's just something different about Christians. And there's something different about Christian children. They're not perfect, but there's something different. Compare Christian children to the children who never attend church. There's a different glow. There's a different face. And we as Christians sometimes are called upon by God to go into secular jobs as Christians for a purpose. To shine the light. And maybe one person or two or a dozen or 20, it doesn't matter how many, but God will destine in your life to speak to this one or to that one when the door opens. It's a marvelous thing how we can really be an asset to God in a place of darkness. Because when you walk in, the light goes on. When you walk in, the light goes on. Because Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. That's us. That's us. And when we walk in, haven't you ever seen people who might be telling a dirty joke or cursing, and then you walk in the room because they know you're a Christian, and they go, oh, I'm sorry. Why do they do that? Because they know your stand. They know you love God. They know your demeanor. And they know when their island of need takes place, you'll be one of the first persons there to say, how can I help you through this storm? Let me close with these scriptures. 2 Timothy 4, 7. Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that also love his appearing. Philippians 3.13, very important verses. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul gave us a spiritual formula or declaration on how to live our life, putting our past behind, praise God, forgetting those things which are behind 
and reaching forth to those things that are before us, pressing toward the mark for the price of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Father, we come to the crossroads in our country, and I believe this is a prophetic message, Lord. A tempestuous storm has hit our shores. And Father, you desire to save life. You desire to save liberty and freedom. And I pray, God, this morning with the people of God in the name of Jesus Christ, that, Father, you'll cause us to come to land and come to see, O oh God, how great you are and bringing forth victory for your people and bringing forth victory in a vicious fight against evil and mischief. To come to a place, O oh God, as Christians that you're bringing us to become strong in the Lord to face every tempestuous storm or every Euroclidon that comes our way and believe that we will survive in the name of Jesus Christ because, God, you're the God of hope. We pray, God, this morning for victory, for an overturning, O oh God, of an election that's trying to wipe out freedom and liberty in America. Lord, many people will descend upon Washington, D.C. this week. Many decisions will have to be made in Congress and in the Senate. And we pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that your wisdom and your knowledge that has been spoken by men of God that surround some of these folks, even in their own area, when the chaplain speaks and gives the message, Lord, those that surround our president, Lord God, men and women of God, let them speak wisdom and knowledge and give our president, oh God, the discernment on what to listen to and how to act and how to move in your spirit. Not Lord God as a King Cyrus anymore, but as a type of Moses that would bring the people across the Red Sea in the name of Jesus a type of Moses that would deliver a nation from the hands of the pharaohs and the King Herods to a place of freedom and liberty. That, God, we could raise our children and our grandchildren and great-grandchildren under the banner of love and under the banner of freedom and under the banner of salvation that you have provided. We're not ashamed, O oh God, of Jesus this morning. We're not ashamed of our Christ we're not ashamed to put this on tape. We're not ashamed, oh God, for this to go where it needs to go in the name of Jesus to touch the hearts of others. Father, who doesn't love freedom except communists? Who doesn't love freedom except Marxists and socialists who want to have power and control over the people? But Father, that was not your design for America. We're a republic and a republic enjoys freedom and liberty. That people can grow up to be what they want to be. That they can get help on every street corner. That they can face the storms of life and find a church or a pastor or a group of Christians that will put their arm around them and say, how can we help you? So God, many things weigh in the balance. Many things. And we're asking you for a great miracle, Lord God, because your Clyden has come. But God... It only broke the boat into pieces, 
but it did not destroy the people. Lord God, our boat has been hit, but we're not destroyed. And the people of God are in that boat. And we have swam to shore. We've held on to a board or a broken piece of the ship. And we're still praying, interceding, and persevering in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you and thank you for listening.